0: Welcome to another episode of the Big Ten Roundtable on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. Join us every week as we tour the Big Ten Conference and have conversations with Fan Nation publishers and national college reporters. The topics naturally in CAA college football and the hottest topics in the Big Ten Conference. This is your announcer, Chuck Crabb, and let's join the show. Here's your host, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation publisher and Big Ten Roundtable host, Tom Brew.
1: Hello, everyone. Tom Brew back with you for week seven now of the Big Ten Roundtable. Happy to have you a part of the show this week. Uh, Certainly a lot going on in week six last week in uh, Battle of the Blue Buds. Starts it all off in week seven with Penn State. Traveling to Michigan later, we're going to break all of that down with Mark Woganrich. Of our Nittany alliance site here at uh, Fan Nation Sports Illustrated, get a great breakdown on that. It's been a great series through the years, uh, Penn State and Michigan. Sean Clifford, the Penn State QB, been a big part of that for many years, and uh, certainly battle of top ten teams, uh, uh, battle of unbeaten's in the Big Ten. All that, you know, we're going to break down all of that for you. Full week seven rundown as well too at the end of the show. Uh, so lots, lots to be entertained with today, and lots of lots of good stuff here on the Big Ten Roundtable. Week six was uh, plenty entertaining itself uh, it was a good week for the two interim coaches uh, in the big ten Mickey Joseph at Nebraska uh, got his second straight win on Friday night when uh, Nebraska went on the road and beat Rutgers 14 to 13 for uh, for Mickey's second straight win uh, in Nebraska now uh, now three and three overall and two and one uh, since the Scott Frost firing a couple of wins over Indiana and Rutgers were uh, not necessarily. Uh, earth-shattering type things, but they needed to get done. Obviously, Nebraska had already lost to a Northwestern team they should have beaten, and Georgia Southern team they should have beaten. So good for the Cornhuskers to get back on track and get rolling there a little bit, too, to uh, be 3-3. Three and three And, you know, 2-1 and one in the Big Ten can't be forgotten, either. Also, the other interim coach in the Big Ten right now, Jim Leonard, uh, took over after Paul Chris was fired after that loss to Illinois two weeks ago. He got his first career victory on Saturday when uh, the Badgers... Uh, traveled to Northwestern and won easily, forty-two to seven. Looked very good doing it. So uh, certainly good week uh, for the uh, for the guys who are trying to uh, have uh, take that interim label off. Both of them want those jobs really bad. I think Jim Leonard's probably got a very good case to to be the next head coach at Wisconsin. Mickey Joseph, I don't know if that's a big enough name for Cornhusker fans or not, but certainly for the jobs they have to do now and week and uh, uh, good success in week six is. Uh, uh, Ohio State and Michigan are, you know, the the two uh, big guys at the top of the heap this year. Both remained undefeated. Uh, number three, Ohio State uh, moved to six and all with a very convincing forty nine to twenty victory over the Michigan State Spartans, who can continue to struggle with that great season last year. Just two and four overall now, and zero and three in the Big Ten, just really having a hard time getting rolling. And number four, Michigan had their hands full with Indiana for a good bit of that game. It was. Just tied 10-10 at halftime Indiana's defense, I thought, which had struggled a bit this year, was uh, was really good. Did a nice job and got some help from special teams blocking a kick. But uh, Michigan just wore them out at the end, and uh, Indiana's offensive line, which has been an issue basically for uh, going on two years now, uh, was just really, really struggled in this game. Uh, Connor Basilic was sacked many times. Uh, running game was uh, just you know, non-existent for the Hoosiers, uh, and it all just comes back to the offensive line, just having a real hard time uh, getting things done. I mean, they just uh, 19 yards of, of total rushing. Now, obviously, all those, uh, the seven sacks of Connor kind of Brazil kind of compound all that too. But uh, even yeah, even just the running backs, uh, you know, just it, it just wasn't there. And uh, consequently, heads will roll, as we've learned at Nebraska and Wisconsin and uh, Indiana fired offensive line coach Darren Hiller on uh, On Monday as well, which had to be tough for Tom Allen. He and Darren Hiller have been friends for more than a decade, but uh, it's it's a uh, it's a get the job done business, and he has not been getting the job done. And uh, Rod Carey, who's a former Indiana offensive line and lineman and successful assistant and head coach in the past couple of decades, uh, he'll take over that job, and hopefully the Hoosiers can get that uh, straightened out and turned around a little bit. And uh, certainly they need it. It's been uh, been the primary problem and issue with that Indiana team here for the last couple of years. Uh, it was a huge win for Purdue as well this week. They went on the road and beat, you know, a very good Maryland team that I've been really impressed with all year long. And the uh, Hoosiers, uh, the uh, uh, Hoosiers see Maryland this week in Bloomington, but Purdue uh, beat them 31, 29, great game right down to the wire. And Aiden O'Connell, who's was back uh, 30 for 41 360 yards and two touchdowns, and the Boilermakers are rolling, four and two now. Uh, but two and one in the Big Ten have that win over Minnesota. too, and uh, you know probably in the pecking order in the Big Ten West right now. You got to kind of look at Purdue being at the top. But I tell you what, another team that we just cannot ignore that we just have to give a a whole lot of love for, and that's certainly uh, you know where you know where I want to put my two cents in this week is I think Brett Bielema at Illinois. Deserves an enormous amount of praise for what's going on there. They beat Iowa nine to six on Saturday to go to five and one on the season now, and they are uh, uh, two and one in the Big Ten. They are just playing lights out defensively. Now, granted, we as we've talked about often on the show, the Iowa offense is just horrible, but the Illini found a way to win, and that's five wins in a row now. and And uh, Brett Bielema, in my opinion, is the runaway leader for the Big Ten Coach of the Year at the moment because this was a team uh, even after week one when uh, uh, Indiana beat Illinois on that last second drive uh, to win. That's Illinois's only loss and since then they've won five straight times and uh, bounced back. Uh, their running game is really good. Chase Brown is great. He had 146 yards against the Really good Iowa defense, uh, and they just keep winning. And uh, five and one now, five wins in a row. Nationally ranked now. Uh, give a lot of credit to Brett Bielema who's done a tremendous job uh, with that Fighting Illini team. Uh, in through through week five, five and one, or through week six, five and one now, five game winning streak in the Illini. Really, really playing great. So we'll uh, uh, we'll. Uh, Talk about them, obviously, at the, on the back end of things and what's what's looking ahead uh, in the Big Ten. But uh, great job by the Illini so far and what they get getting done. So, All right, well, let's take a break now. When we come back, after we hear uh, from our sponsors, who we appreciate greatly uh, here at the Big Ten Roundtable, uh, Newcomb, Indiana Football Ticket Office, we appreciate all those people uh, for being a part of making the Big Ten Roundtable happen. Uh, let's hear from them, and when we come back, we will talk to Mark Wogenrich, All Nittany Lions site on on the um, Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network, and we'll break down what is a great, great game coming up here in Week Seven with Number Ten Penn State taking on Number Five Michigan at the Big House in Ann Arbor. This is Tom Brew, your host for the Big Ten Roundtable, and. We will be right back. Welcome to
2: the Newcomb family. My name is Jim Poole. I'm the president and CEO of SolidSight Sciences, the neuroscience company that makes Nucomb. And what is it? It's simply a technology that when you're feeling stressed or you're not sleeping well, whatever it is that life brings you, Nucomb is a tool that predictably, safely, and reliably is gonna take good care of you. Find a comfortable place. Put the disc on, eye mask, choose your track. You're gonna lie down. What's gonna happen? Your mind's gonna wander. But here's how you'll know Nucomb's working you begin to feel your body separate from your mind. Your mind's gonna wander and your body's gonna feel heavy and your respiration's gonna slow down. And you're gonna go somewhere, somewhere where your mind just wanders and your body heals. And then at some point, you just kinda come to. Simply take off the eye mask, stop the track, take the disc off, and off you go.
1: fans indiana football tickets are on sale now catch the action this fall at memorial stadium as head coach tom allen leads the hoosiers in the battle against the maryland terrapins on october 15th for more information or to purchase tickets visit iuhoosiers.com. support the hoosiers 2022 go IU! To 10 to Touchdown! all right everybody welcome back to the big 10 round table here we are in a week seven already and it's pretty darn amazing it's uh season like it always does just uh, flying right by and uh, obviously we get our uh, our first uh, top 10 uh big 10 matchup this week with uh, uh pen number 10 penn state traveling to number five michigan and we thought we'd bring in uh, mark wogan richard covers uh, penn state for us from the fan nation sports illustrated network to talk about the nittany lions so mark how are you doing pal
3: doing good thanks tom thanks for having me here
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Always enjoy having you on the show. Uh, well, we've got uh, uh, this nice big matchup this week. We uh, we had you on uh, three weeks ago. We weren't uh, we were just sort of getting ready for uh, for the Penn State Auburn trip. All went well, and you know since then, uh, sort of a, a lackluster showing against Northwestern, but a victory and then uh, a bye week last week prior to leading into Michigan. So, uh, uh, so what do we? How much did that bye week help in regards to getting them healthy or? maybe kind of changing uh, mindsets a little bit. And, uh, and where, do, where do you feel like this team stands now, heading on to this uh, big showdown of number five versus number 10?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Penn State's 5-0 and oh for the second straight year, going on the road to play a top-five team for the second straight year. Last year it went poorly um, when they played Iowa. Lost Sean Clifford uh, in that game, lost their defensive tackle. Uh, P.J. Mustafer, <clears throat> excuse me, for the rest of the season – five and0 turned into seven and six and it went real south real fast so that's got to be something that they are at least having the back of their minds. this is a different Penn State team than that one in a lot of respects um, it got younger I think in that sense it got hungrier because they're playing a lot of young freshmen and a lot of red shirt freshmen younger players are rotating through especially on defense and I think you get the sense that this group, you know, I don't know if they can stack with Michigan or with Ohio State in a couple of weeks when they host them on Halloween weekend. But I think they feel – I think this group feels as though it's a contender in the Big Ten, and they're ready to put that uh, – I think they're ready to put that mindset uh, to test Saturday and, at Michigan. This is not an untested team, and I think in that respect it has the benefit. It's got an edge. edge – excuse me – over Michigan – and that this is going to be their third, basically, like their third stadium out of the season already. They, you know, Purdue played the blackout against them. Auburn was the orange out. Michigan with the maize out. So they're, I think, they're comfortable in these sorts of environments, and they have the pedigree of winning in two tough places to play, especially Purdue on a Thursday night in that home opener. That was that was intimidating. That was an intimidating space, an intimidating space when you've got to make a comeback to win a game like that. I don't think Michigan has this, the same resume even at six and zero, than Penn state does. That doesn't mean anything necessarily in when they actually, you know, meet on the field and, and it's four star five star against four star five star. But I think it does mean something at least that Penn state has some calluses this year. I'm not sure Michigan has them yet.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, I you know, I, you know, I think what I, you know, last week when I was talking to Brandon Brown, our counterpart at Michigan, what I had mentioned to him about Penn State at the time then is like, they have the two best road wins, you know, if not in the Big Ten, then in the country. Because they beat a very good Purdue team on the road, and then they beat an average Auburn team, but it's still at Auburn. You know, it's a national TV game, you know, at Auburn. I think, you know, I don't know of any other team in the country that really has two better true road wins than Penn State. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean anything when you're matching up uh, Michigan with Penn State, other than the fact that I don't think uh, they'll be intimidated by the big house crowd. You know, I think they're uh, they're used to playing in front of uh, a lot of people, and they've already done that, you know, sold out uh, ross Aid Stadium, 60,000-something, the opener, sold out Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn. Um, and then, you know, I still think that, playing home games at Penn state with a hundred thousand people does help prepare for the uh, the hundred thousand people somewhere else. So I, I think, I think at least going into the game environment wise, I don't think the environment will have any issue on the game.
3: Especially noise wise. I mean, you've been to Michigan and I've been there too. It doesn't get, it doesn't get loud. I I, I, you know, I know it can be because of the, you know, the bowl and the space that it is a big kind of overwhelming place to be. But I've been there for games, really tight Penn State Michigan games, and I've heard it louder at other stadia. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean a ton to this game because it's you know, there is there is a hostile element, no question. But I just do think that Penn State having to go through what they did at Purdue, having to come back to win, and then putting together like a really good game against Auburn, be whatever Auburn is this year, they still put together a really good game against an SEC team. They know what they have ready for this. They know the level that they can attain, and now it's a matter of putting it really all together this week, I think especially on offense.
1: Absolutely, it's because uh, that Michigan defense. Um, it's hard for me to gauge exactly how good they are yet, because um, Maryland, who I have a team that you know I've sort of loved from the beginning of the year, is a team that I thought was going to step up. Uh, really moved the ball well against Michigan, and we're in that game right until late in the fourth quarter. And you can't take anything uh, from Michigan's win at Iowa because Iowa's offense is just you know brutal so it's but i think this michigan state and this michigan offense our defense is really good uh but we don't know how good and and i think uh penn state with two weeks to prepare i think we'll be able to give them a pretty good challenge when it comes to game planning and maybe um uh, adding some new wrinkles and stuff like that how much do you think that bye week helps in regards to letting that whole group get a little bit more creative
3: I right, go back to 2000, it was 18, I believe. Pretty sure it's 2018. Penn State is 17 or 18 now. Penn State played Michigan at home on uh, the Whiteout game after a bye. First play was a direct snap to Saquon Barkley, and he went like 65 yards for a touchdown. It was a play that they hadn't run all that year. You know, that's three <laughs> offensive coordinators ago and like six running backs ago, but. I think the fact remains that Mike, you their offensive coordinator has some stuff. The one thing they did show earlier this season is a throwback pass, a receiver back to Sean Clifford pass. And they got that on tape. I'm not saying that they're going to use it at Michigan, but that is on tape that Michigan has to at least think about. So it was one of those smart things that they did to put that play on tape to show Michigan that they have it. But then other things they didn't put on tape to show you know, not to show Michigan. i For me, this is Sean Clifford's game as a fourth-year starter and a guy who's played 2,000 career snaps and he's been to Michigan. He's won at Michigan. This is a game that will fall into his hands. I think he's one of the better pre-snap quarterbacks, if not in the Big Ten, then also in the country, in that he has seen so many different defenses and identified so many different defenses that he can pick it out. He can – he can identify really any kind of coverage that you're going to throw at him. He can see. That's one thing he does really well. Is he can see and get in and out of place. It's a matter of what he does with the ball once it's you know once it's snapped to him. That is the big issue with him. It's you know things like uh, Central Michigan a couple of weeks ago ran you know you know uh, shifted to safeties down. Got to play a lot of cover zero. Against him, he identified it, you know, perfectly. He was pointing it out. He looked comfortable through, uh, with the uh, with the defense. He went one for ten against that, trying to throw over the, over the top of it on passes of twenty plus yards. He has to be better And that specifically against Michigan if Michigan's going to try to do the same thing to stop Penn State's really talented freshman running backs. To me, this game is Sean Clifford, and that's where I that's where I kind of land on it. If you get that Sean Clifford of the end of the Purdue game or last year's Auburn game or certain situations in, in big moments where he actually thrives and can make plays, I think they've got a chance to win. But if he's that 58% completion, Sean Clifford who is missing open receivers and, and just after the game says that was a bad decision, that's what I'd like to have back. That's where you're going to be in trouble.
1: Yep. I would agree. It's uh Sean is, you know, he's, Uh, obviously been more good way more good than bad in his career and such but he has had those kind of stinker games and uh, there's no question he needs to play at at a at a high level this go around because it's just I mean it's to me you're not going to you're not going to get a lot of opportunities against Michigan and you have to to take advantage of them when you get there well I think the biggest part too I know it's a lot of it's going to be about Sean but you know from what you've seen of this you know, this group of talented young running backs so far, I mean, do you feel like uh, Penn State can run the ball against this Michigan defense or no?
3: I'm going to be very curious about that because they've shown Nicholas Singleton and K. Tron Allen have shown really little fear in in running against anybody. I don't obviously they haven't played a defense with the uh, with the front seven and especially you know the defensive line that Michigan is going to show them. So that being said, I am curious, like everybody else, how they are going to handle it, how the line is going to block for them. The one thing they do, though, really well is both of the backs. Catron Allen inside and then Nicholas Singleton outside is that they don't need a lot of room. They show that they don't need a huge hole. They can get through something. Catron Allen inside really has, for a freshman – has some of the just best vision and cutback ability that you will see, and then if you can get Nicholas Singleton outside one on one, he's going to beat you. And like I said, he's got five carries this year of plus forty yards, and Penn State had two of them the entire twenty twenty one season. Only one of which was by a running back, so they just did not have a threatening offensive, a threatening run game last year that made you in any way uh, worry that they were going to beat you on the ground. I think they have a little bit of that threat. I think they are going to try to demonstrate that to Michigan. Hey, we can run the ball. If they don't, that's the big issue. We're going to come back to Sean Clifford. But I do like these two guys. I like their offensive lineup a little bit more. I like the left side, especially with Fashanu. at tackle. has been playing really well. And Landon Tengwall at guard. They've been good. I think the line has been upgraded uh, an upgrade over last year. How that, how that turns out at Michigan, though, uh, that will that will certainly test their mettle.
1: Yep, I think I've been impressed with the left side of that Penn State line so far. They've done some nice things. So All right, so we, we've talked a lot about Penn State's defense uh, the last time we were on, how they were just playing at a high level. That has continued. Uh, and uh, how, how are we doing health-wise coming into this game on the defensive side of the ball? We all
3: good there? Yeah, they don't talk much about uh, yeah. health and injuries that much. But their defensive help has been fairly good for the most part. I don't think they've really lost anybody um, meaningful for any longer period of time. It's been a couple of offensive injuries, guys that we haven't seen um, or you know, or who you know would be an issue with whether they could come back, one of them being a receiver, Ke'Andre Lambert-Smith, who was injured in the last game against Northwestern, didn't play after the first quarter. James Franklin said he's hopeful to see him this week. That's a main – I think that's a main thing. Health-wise, defensively, they've been pretty good. One of the things is because they play a lot of guys. If you look at their secondary, they're rotating like nine players through that secondary. They love the depth they have there, and they're not afraid to run what they call this Prowler package, which is they're using seven defensive backs. They're playing almost like this 3-1-7, and they're going to bring up a couple of their defensive backs, play them in run support. Jaya Brown, who's really – I think he's playing at an All-American level. At safety, you'll see him lined up at the line of scrimmage, showing blitz, uh, doing, playing around the, you know, trying to play around the ball as much as the safety can. In run sport. they've been really terrific there. The thing with me is that one of the things they reasons they do that is because they are trying to kind of shroud the depth issues they've had at linebacker. They did not have the depth and experience at that position. And they've developed it. It's come along. There's a freshman named Abdul Carter who's been really good playing in kind of almost a position share with the starter, Curtis Jacobs. And I think you'll see number 11, he wears Abdul Carter a lot on the field. But they, that linebacker thing, I think that is where a place, that's a place where Michigan might be able to explain. Obviously, with Blake Horam in that run game, no question. But also with the passing game, if like they can get JJ McCarthy in a play action, rolling out. Throwing short, you know, kind of the short middle stuff, getting crossing routes, getting these guys confused and trying to get them into space a little bit. That's a place you can test Penn State. I, I think that will be, for me, one of the stress points that I look at for that defense is what, you know, what the linebackers can do against Michigan's front and against Michigan's run game and how they're going to handle uh, the tight ends and, and the receivers and uh, that Michigan will throw at them.
1: Yep. Uh, we head into this game. Michigan is a seven-point favorite. Uh, it's uh, the noon game, national TV, Fox. You get the whole pregame store and all that. Uh, uh, all there in Ann Arbor with all of that. Uh, my two cents on it uh, from that uh, standpoint, Mark, is that I I feel like with a hundred percent certainty that uh, the team. Uh, who forces the most turnovers wins this game. I think it really truly comes down to a one turnover game uh, in either direction. I think Penn state can play with them. I do think uh, Penn state's uh, defense can give them some fits. Like I said, the, you mentioned with the linebackers, I am a little worried about Blake Corum If he gets into uh, gets into some space, uh, if he hits a crease where, you know, where a five yard, five yard run might turn into 25 or 30. I'm a little worried about that, but I think, I think J.J. McCarthy, who likes to take some chances when he can, was forced in the Iowa game to just dink and dink and dink and dink just because of the way Iowa was playing. And because there was no threat to the Iowa scoring, the Michigan game plan was extremely conservative in that game. And I think he's chomping at the bit, you know, to be able to kind of throw the ball around. And if he does, then we get a few things tipped here and there, and there's an interception or two, Penn State has a chance. Now, you know, like I said, Mike, you know, I, I do think Michigan wins this game, but I do think it's going to be very tight, and I think it's probably more of a field goal game, and I think it can swing though on a turnover. So uh, from uh, from State College, uh, what say you?
3: Yeah, I if if Michigan wants to try to throw at Penn State, I that's a that's a bold move, that's a, a bold aggressive move. I would love to see that on their part because Penn State leads the country in pass breakups. One thing's and. And, and they force turnovers. They forced 12 turnovers this year. They're at plus six. And opponents don't have a very good completion percentage against them. I, I mean, before the bye, Penn State had faced the most passes in the Big Ten, the most passing attempts because teams were trying to come back on them. And, they, you know, a, a, you know, a team like uh, Purdue was a big throwing team. So they th- – Faced a lot of it, and there's the the completion percentage against them is only at 49%. They don't give up a lot of completions. The other thing they do is they stop drives. They're going to give up yards. I think they're kind of comfortable with that. They've given up a couple of big run plays. They've given up some 20, 30-yard pass plays, but they shut drives down. They turned the ball over five times against Northwestern in some really bad weather at Beaver Stadium uh, two weeks ago. That said, Northwestern – which doesn't have, again, doesn't have a lot of offensive uh, threat, but North, Northwestern gained a total of eight yards on all five of those post turnover drives. Penn State's defense abs allowed absolutely nothing. They're very, uh, that's that's their kind of their their mode this year is that they're willing to give you stuff, but in the red zone they're going to be very good and they're going to stop drives. By getting a pass breakup on third down or on second down, even then, and forcing you into third and long, and then sending the house on, you know, corner blitzes, safety blitzes, linebacker blitzes, whatever, and trying to stop you there. Your point about Blake is the big one to me. If if he's if he's knocking off five six yards of carry on first down, Penn State's going to be in a lot of trouble.
1: Yep, I will yep, tend to agree. I'd uh, be curious to watch it though. I'm looking forward to. uh, Nice early noon start in uh, Penn State Michigan. Always should be good. Top five matchup at the big house. I think we'll all enjoy it. Mark, we appreciate you joining us today. Glad to have the time with you and uh, sort of an extended, good, really good, really good breakdown on this game. And uh, we'll look forward if you're kind enough to join us in three weeks. Uh, we'll uh, we'll review the Penn State Ohio State game with you and uh, preview uh, preview Penn State Indiana a little bit. That uh that 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 last monday or
3: tuesday in october if you're good with that and uh absolutely that sounds good look forward to that that'll be we will know we will know a lot about penn state at that point because you've got michigan state. minnesota ohio state so we're right. gonna know playoff contender or opt-out bowls so
1: exactly yeah we uh, we certainly will this is a this is a tough three-game stretch i think in the big ten as it comes it's uh uh because you've got very physical teams three weeks mm-hmm. in a row yeah and, absolutely you know, that's you know, a big thing i think we lost a little bit of luster off of Minnesota the way Purdue you know, was able to handle them, but, uh, I think Penn state already knows how good that Purdue team is. So it's, uh, certainly a tough three week stretch and we'll get back with you then. And, uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you in early November when uh, Penn state plays Indiana, but, uh, a lot to do between now and then Mark. So enjoy the football and we'll look forward to talking to you later in the month.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having right.
1: me. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks very much for, for being a part of the show. We always appreciate you having you on. And, uh, uh, so uh, let's hear a word from some of our sponsors now. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to run down the entire week seven schedule for you. There's a whole bunch of really good Big Ten games this week and a lot going on. And we'll try to get you updated on some injuries a little bit and uh, and give you all the start times, TV information, all that stuff. So you're good to go for for week seven. So we'll be back uh, right after a word from some of our sponsors. and We'll see you on the other side. This is Tom Brew, Big Ten Roundtable. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome to the NuCalm family. My name is Jim Poole. I'm the president and CEO of Solicite Sciences, the neuroscience company that makes And What is it? It's simply a technology that when you're feeling stressed or you're not sleeping well, whatever it is that life brings you, NuCalm is a tool that predictably, safely, and reliably is going to take good care of you. Find a comfortable place. Put the disc on, eye mask, choose your track. You're going to lie down. What's going to happen? Your mind's going to wander. But here's how you'll know NuCalm's working. You'll begin to feel your body separate from your mind. Your mind's gonna wander and your body's gonna feel heavy and your respiration's gonna slow down. And you're gonna go somewhere, somewhere where your mind just wanders and your body heals. And then at some point, you just kinda come to. Simply take off the eye mask, stop the track, take the disc off, and off you go.
1: Fans, Indiana football tickets are on sale now. Catch the action this fall at Memorial Stadium as head coach Tom Allen leads the Hoosiers in the battle against the Maryland Terrapins on October 15th. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit iuhoosiers.com. Support the Hoosiers 2022. Go IU! Down to the Hello, everybody. Welcome back to uh, tail end now of uh, week seven of the Big Ten Roundtable. Really appreciate Mark wogan for his uh, great insight there on Penn State uh, this week as they head into a huge battle at uh, at the Big House uh, with Michigan. Should be a great game, noon on Fox, uh, certainly the big national noon game of the day. Should be good. I'm really curious to see. Uh, this Michigan team obviously has been very good, but hasn't been really challenged uh, at a high level quite yet on both sides of the ball. And this is certainly Uh, The Wolverines biggest test of the year and uh, uh, home teams, uh, they're tough to beat uh, in the big house, of course, and they have played really well there the last couple of years. But uh, uh, I think it's Penn State team, especially on defensively looking to make some turnovers. I still think, as I mentioned during my interview with Mark there, that uh, that game's all going to come down to the team uh, that can generate the one extra turnover. I think it's that close of a game. And I think you've got two opportunistic defenses there uh, ready to try to make some noise. So that's certainly the highlight of week seven as we preview uh, action heading into the weekend now. We've got four teams on buys this week, so we've got five games uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, and as we mentioned, the uh, it, it all starts with that noon game, Penn State-Michigan uh, on Fox. That's the national TV game, The uh, Fox's pregame show, all from there as well, too. Another huge game in the Big Ten West at noon on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Minnesota travels to number 24 ranked Illinois now. As we mentioned earlier, uh, fighting Illini five and zero, just uh, just the one Big Ten loss, and uh, Minnesota also had a bye, uh, and they've had just they have just the one Big Ten loss to Purdue as well too. So certainly a very pivotal, very important game uh, in the Big Ten West. Minnesota lost to Purdue in a game where they just did not play well, which was something of a surprise. The offense just wasn't there. Uh, so real curious to see if Tanner Morgan and the boys can bounce back I really like that Minnesota team a lot and was surprised that Purdue had held them 10 points in that game and pulled away in the fourth quarter so big huge bounce back game for the Gophers and we'll see if the Atlanta can keep things rolling there at 330 Maryland who got beat by Purdue last week in College Park a little bit of a uh, tough loss for them at the end. It's just kind of the way that it broke down. This team's been playing really well, but they're just they're four and two now. Played really well in a loss at Michigan, and then now the Purdue loss. So uh, they come to Indiana. Uh, the Hoosiers are uh, have lost three in a row now in the Big in the Big Ten, um, and they really uh, really need a victory at home. But Maryland, an eleven point favorite on the road in Bloomington, three thirty game on ESPN two on uh, in our week seven action. Fox has another national game in the Big Ten at 4 o'clock with two teams that desperately need a win when Wisconsin travels to East Lansing to take on uh, the Spartans. Uh, Wisconsin, as we mentioned, Jim Leonard, uh, the interim coach there, now played really well last week at Northwestern uh, to get his first career win And the Spartans. though, still struggling in the Big Ten, 0-3 so far, a big turnaround from a year ago when they were the the darlings of the Big Ten and now struggling to get that first conference win. And I'd be fair to say that it's – Probably unlikely to comes this week too, even on the road in Wisconsin, favored by a touchdown in this game as well. And then our game Saturday night on the Big Ten Network: Nebraska. You know, two wins now for Mickey Joseph, as we mentioned, doing a pretty good job as the interim coach there. They traveled to Purdue, which is a huge home game for the Boilermakers. Uh, they need to uh, keep their ball rolling in the in the Big Ten. They're two and one in the league. I have the win over Minnesota, as we mentioned, and their only losses to Penn State uh, in Week One, so it's a Big Ten East loss. So they can. Keep doing their thing against their Big Ten West opponents. You know they should certainly uh, stay in the running. I would think for uh, for uh, for winning their very first ever Big Ten West title. Now they're a two touchdown favorite against Nebraska, but you, you never know what happens uh, with desperate teams like the Cornhuskers. So that's week seven. Just abbreviated schedule with, like I said, with four teams on buys this week, and most notably uh, Ohio State and Iowa taking the taking the week off. Northwestern as well. Uh, so we'll go from there then uh, obviously uh week 8 and we come back uh next week uh Ohio State returns with a home game against the Iowa Hawkeyes uh and then uh, plenty of plenty of good stuff down the road as well including an ABC primetime game with Minnesota and Penn State but getting way ahead of ourselves we'll break down week 8 really well next week and go from there so many thanks to all of you for watching the Big 10 round table this week appreciate it and uh, many thanks to Mark Wogenrich again uh from all Penn State, you know, on our, on our uh, Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. Uh, check out everybody on the on, the, on, it, on RSI.com. uh group of pages doing a great job covering the Big Ten and uh, certainly glad to have everybody a part of this Big Ten roundtable. So we'll let you go and uh, enjoy all the week seven action this week uh, and have a great time. Get out and enjoy some college football. Mid October now, weather turning just a touch. It ought to be fun. So, this is Tom Brew from Fan Nation Sports Illustrated, one of your Big Ten publishers, doing Indiana and Purdue. And we uh, look forward to having you back next week uh, for week seven of the Big Ten Roundtable. Brandon Brown, our publisher up at Wolverine Digest, will be uh, back with us next week to, to follow up and uh, do a nice review of uh, Wisconsin Penn State. And we'll have a couple of other special guests as well. This is Tom Brew. Thank you very much for being a part of the show, and we will see you again next week on The Big Ten Round.
0: The Big Ten Roundtable is a production of Hilltop 30 Publishing Group. For content information, please contact Tom Brew via email at tombrew at hilltop30.com. For advertising and sponsorship rates, contact Director of Marketing Becky Riggle at beckyrigle at hilltop30.com. Special thanks to video director Haley Jordan and production coordinator Stacy Fisher. Thanks for enjoying the show. This is your announcer, Chuck Crabb, and we'll see you next week on the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network.